0: Amen. Good morning church. We thank God for another Sunday and the start of a brand new week. Amen. I'm glad to see you in church and uh, I pray that today we will be blessed. Um, Today I just want to preach uh, a message of encouragement. In, in our church circles it's called exhortation. When we talk about exhortation, exhortation means to give away that will encourage or edify somebody. Uh, normally when we come to the precipice of the first six months entering, entering into the second half of the year, one one of the things you will notice is tiredness. People get very tired, people get very worried. There are all kinds of people that have transitioned from the first half to the second half, different kinds of people. You you will see the first batch that are very tired. They don't look forward to the second half because perhaps the first six months had been rough and tough for them. You will see some people too who may have experienced excitement in the first six months and they are so much looking forward to what the second half has for them. Excuse me. You also look at people too, who are uncertain. Like, what is the year going to be like? How is it going to pan out? So you have different kinds of people whenever you reach the seventh month, which signifies the second half of the new year. And I pray that today, may God um, use this message to really speak to us and uh, change our viewpoints on how we see some things. Amen. So please bear with me to the book of Job, chapter 1. The book of Job, chapter 1. I'm going to start reading from verses 13 to 20. Job chapter 1 verses 13 to 20. And I read, Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, the men the, the the of the oxen were ploughing, and the donkeys feeding beside them, when the Sabians raided them and took them away. Indeed they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. sixteen. When he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them and I alone have escaped to tell you. 17. Whilst he was still speaking the fire, I'm sorry, while he was still speaking, another also came and said the Chaldeans formed three bands raided the camels and took them away and yes killed the servants with the edge of the sword and i alone have escaped to tell you while he was still speaking another also came and said your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness, struck the four corners of the house. It fell on the young people, and they are dead, and I alone have escaped, to tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground, and worshipped. Amen. Today, I'm talking on what we have termed or entitled dealing with lives and Theologians say that Job is the oldest book of the Bible. Some even argue that Job should actually be the first book of the Bible, not Genesis. And that's a whole scholarly debate. But who was Job? Job had prestige. Job was known as the greatest man of the East. You know, Job lived at the eastern part of the canyon. He was a Jew and he lived at the eastern part called Uz. He was the greatest man of the east. Why? Because he had money. He was very wealthy. If you look at Job chapter 1, the first few verses, it talks to us about Job's great possessions. He had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 female donkeys, 500 yoke of oxen, and he had a very large household. This is a wealthy man. And in those days, agrarian culture, you see, the more your livestock, the more your revenue. Because that was basically how they really made money during those days. So Job was very wealthy. He was very popular. He had notoriety. He was counted among some of the greatest or quote-unquote high and mighty among the people of the East. And sometimes having money, it, it comes alone. Because sometimes it doesn't come with class. It doesn't come with character. It doesn't come with morals. It doesn't come with a whole lot of things. I've seen a lot of rich people who are very obstinate, very snobbish, moral bankruptcy. But the good thing about Job was that even though he was wealthy, he also had a good character. The Bible lets us know that this man feared God. He was blameless, he was upright, and he eschewed evil. So Job was a Christian. He was a Christian, he had influence, he had money, he had wealth, he had it all. He's a great man. Not just that, the Bible says that he had a very large household, the large household of servants that worked for him. I mean, when you have such possessions, you need quite a large household to tend to your business. He had a large household. And then he was also fruitful. During the Jewish times, one of the signs that they will attribute that God has blessed you is when you are able to have seed. You know, during the Jewish time, it was quite a stigma to go childless. It was seen as a curse. But Job had fruits. He had children. He had 10 children, 7 sons, 3 daughters. Job had it all. I'm sure, Job, when you see him, you will want to be like him because this is the greatest man of the East. But one day, uncertainties happened this way. And why? Was it because Job was a sinner? Was it because he was morally bankrupt? Ladies and gentlemen, one of the things you have to understand is that sometimes life will hit you very hard Not because you might be a sinner, and sometimes Christians, when certain things happen to us, we we tend to ask ourselves so many questions, Lord, I'm serving you, but why? And my question is, why not? The verse that I just read talked to us about four things that happened to Job. When you read the first news that Job received, it was uncertain. Job was not expecting in his life to receive such And the interesting part is that he received four terrible events the same day. Same day. Too much to bear. One, they came to tell him, your donkeys and your oxen with your servants are gone. So that's his first source of income. Because mind you, Job had sheep, he had camels, he had oxen, he had donkeys. So you have to look at four streams of income here. They are all not the same. They are different, different. Although they are all livestock, they are all not the same. His first stream of income with servants are gone. The donkey and the oxen are gone. Maybe if I was in Job's shoes, I'll comfort myself that, oh, I have the sheep, I have the camels, I'll be okay. Two streams of income gone, one certain. Whilst maybe he was trying to wrap his mind around it, the second event came. Your sheep, that's your third stream of income. That is also gone. And the servants who oversee that business, it's collapsed. It's also gone. Whilst he was trying to assimilate that, the third news came. Now, the last stream of your income, your camels, is gone. So that means now, Job is poor now. He's a poor man. Camels are gone. Sheep are gone. Donkeys are gone. Oxen is gone. What's he going to do? It's over. He has no money. You you can label Job a poor man. He's lost his fortune. Maybe during Job's time, when they, they had this magazine, maybe Fortune 500, maybe Job used to be among the top earners. Now he's been reduced to zero. It's gone. No money. And sometimes serving God will not exempt you from some of these ills of life. The fourth thing that happened to Job now were his kids. His precious kids. The Bible says he had ten of them seven sons, three daughters. They all died on the same day. Can you imagine that? So Job is going to have a funeral, a mass burial. He has 10 children to bury. And then his large household of servants or employees who looked after his four streams of income. Ladies and gentlemen, when life hits us hard at our blind spots, And when we are unaware, what are we going to do? The Bible lets us know that Job just worshipped the Lord. And I didn't read that part. But when he worshipped the Lord, he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord has given to me, and the Lord has taken. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, I don't know whether he said it out of bitterness or he said it out of hope. But the key thing I want you to get from today's story is life happens. And sometimes life will happen irrespective of your faith. You can be a very good Christian and you can lose your job. You can be a very good Christian And you will be the victim of unfair dismissal. You you can be a very good Christian and stuff just happens. You see, Job's faith in God didn't prevent his 10 children dying. Job's faith in God did not prevent all his streams of income gone. Life can be very uncertain. Job woke up a rich man. He had four streams of income, a large household with his sons and daughters. By the ending of the day, he had lost everything. Life is uncertain. And just like our bishop preached on Father's Day, what will the righteous do? When things fall apart, you being righteous doesn't exempt you from the hardships and the realities of life. Now, chapter two, we will look at the fifth thing that happened to Job. As if this was not enough, Job had more than enough to bear, he has lost his children. There is nothing so sad than to lose your child. Job didn't lose one or two out of ten. He lost ten out of ten. He lost his children. That's a painful thing. No parent has to bury their child. We all are of the notion that a child has to bury their parents. But here is Job. I'm almost saying Jacob. His life almost looks like he's been cursed. But that's the reality of life. Sometimes life can become so hard that when people look at you, they will think that, wow, are you living under a curse? And you might not be living under a curse. It's just life. Life happens. And ladies and gentlemen, if there is anything that we will need to learn, is how to deal with the adverse circumstance of life so that life doesn't break us. Because look, whether you go with God or not, we will all reach a breaking point and a breaking moment. And I pray this morning that wherever you might be in this stage of life, I pray that may you not be broken, to the point that you've lost all ability, all hope to live. But I pray that may this message become a catalyst for you to get back up and live again. Yes, you may have lost things. Yes, you may have experienced difficulties. But the game is not over until it's over. Don't blow the whistle yet. Don't wave in the towel yet. You don't decide the outcome, the verdict, or the score of the game. Try and remember that. Try and know that it is from God's perspective. It's from God's viewpoint. He determines when the game is over. You have no right as a creation of God to determine and read the verdict of what you are going through. It may not really be over. But whilst Job is reeling, and he's mourning, and he's in pain, look at the fifth thing that happened to him in Job chapter 2, verse 7. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot, to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a pot shed with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of his ashes. What a disgrace. This almost even sounds like leprosy. And in those days, during um, 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 the uh, olden days in, in, in Israel, when one has leprosy, it was tantamount to a curse. They believe that you were cursed. They believe that you have disobeyed God. They believe that God is punishing you. And it was seen as a disgrace. And and when you experience uh, uh, skin abrasion, because that's what leprosy normally does, you are normally put outside the gate of the city. You are not wanted. We could even call it the COVID of our day. Today, if if, if we mention that someone has COVID, we all try and alienate the person. That was what leprosy was like. Such a noble man, highly esteemed, wealthy and rich. Now, his life is like a pauper. He will be the talk of the town. People will attribute all sorts of misfortunes. Oh, Job is suffering because he is a wicked man. Job is suffering because he has gotten wealth by ill means. Job is suffering because he has disobeyed God. Job is suffering because he has cursed God. Oh, Job is going through all the things he is going through because of the immorality of his children. His children were immoral. They thought it because their father was rich. People will have all kinds of stories. What a disgrace. Now, on top of everything, my health is attacked. Hence, hence, being a Christian, sometimes your health can be attacked. And sometimes it might not be because of lifestyle. But sometimes, it might be that issues of life, or it might even be that testing. Now, Job became sick. Why? Because it was a satanic attack. And sometimes, Satan can buffet us and hit us hard with our health. Five strong challenges. But today, I came to encourage you that it's not over. God is still on the throne. Now, there is one thing you have to know. The story did not just end here. The story turned out to be much beautiful. Between Job chapter 1 and chapter 42, if you read the ending, chapter 42, you will see how Job's life turned out. God restored him. He came back to a place of prominence. Had more money, had more wealth, he experienced a total restoration and a total turnaround. Commentators are specifying that this hardship probably lasted for about two years. That's what they said. So between chapters 2 to 39 and 40, it said it's a period of two years. Probably, that's what they're assuming. Two years of hardship, two years of testing, two years of doubting God. Sometimes you can be hit with the uncertainty of life that you will come to a place that you will just be doubting God. And that is what makes the devil happy. When we go through tough times as believers, there is only one thing that the devil is interested in. The devil is not interested in your money. The devil is not interested in your health. Because he can give those things. The devil can give health. The devil can give wealth. The devil can give money. The devil can give glory. So what he can give, he's not interested in that. But he's interested in something more precious that he can never give. And that is called your faith. And sometimes we go through hard times because the devil is after the most precious commodity that he considers price. And that's our faith. And sometimes we go through all these buffetings just for the sole purpose of losing our faith. And that's what the devil wants. And once we are able to lose our faith by confessing or renouncing that Jesus is not Lord, I reject that's all that he wants. It's called the crushing. One day, Jesus looked at Peter and he says that, Peter, I have prayed for you because Satan wants to sift you like wheat. And the meaning of to be sifted like wheat is to come to a place whereby you are in total disbelief of God, total doubt of God, to the point that you reject and renounce your faith in Christ. That's the end result of sifting. But Jesus says, I have prayed for you, that your faith will be strengthened. And when you have come out of this, pray for thy brethren also, that their faith will not fail. So, Be encouraged. The next six months will be bright. Don't lose your faith. Hold on to your faith. But I don't want to end the story on Job's misfortunes. It's important for us to know that when we are faced with the uncertainties of life, which can sometimes be hard, which can sometimes be mind-blowing, which can sometimes be challenging, you need to know how to fight back and when. So go with me to 1 Peter. Chapter 1. I'm sorry, Second Peter. Chapter 1. 2 Peter. Chapter 1 verse 6. Peter wrote this to believers. And he talked about certain qualities that we need to add in addition to our faith. Now, the word add there means to receive. You can't really do the adding. When you become a believer, all these things are for us. We just have to receive them and then allow the virtues to work in us. And one of them there is perseverance. It says, verse 6, to knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. Perseverance, godliness. So the thing that I want us to really zero in is perseverance. When you look at the King James, this word perseverance is used about 32 times. And it has three different meanings. When you unpack the meaning of the word perseverance, it means steadfastness. And when we are talking about being steadfast, it means you are firm in belief. Firm in belief. So that's perseverance. When you see someone who is very steadfast in what he stands for, he holds the truth for that's that's a persevering person. So that's one meaning. The second meaning of perseverance is constancy. He's constant. It means he's unshaken and he's very determined. Today, I think one of the things we are lacking is determination. People don't have dogfight in them anymore. The least little thing they want to give up. Constancy. You are unshaken. You are very determined. And number three, endurance. So, steadfastness, constancy, and endurance. When we are talking about endurance, it means fortitude. You don't sink or yield to pressure when you are suffering. Perseverance. So this is what we have to receive in addition to our faith when we become believers. So from these three English words, steadfastness, constancy, endurance, how we define perseverance is the ability to endure pain and unfair circumstance. That's it. So based on these three English words, steadfastness, constancy, endurance. And we take these three English words. This is how we define perseverance. The ability to endure pain and unfair circumstance. And Job had pain. Job had unfair circumstance. Is it fair for him to lose four streams of income? Is it fair for him to lose his large household of servants? Is it fair for him to even lose two of his kids, let alone ten? Is it fair for him to also, in addition to that, experience an attack on his health? And um, you don't even know the diagnosis. All that we know is that it's a skin abrasion that perhaps makes him so uncomfortable that he cannot even be among the land of the living. He had to be banished somewhere. And this is a rich man. This is someone who was known as the greatest man in the East. This is someone who probably is among his Forbes rich list or whatever criteria by which they, they evaluate people's riches and wealth and their net worth. Job had it all. Job probably was a celebrity. He's rich. He, and on top of that, he also, knows, he also knows God. He's upright. He's blameless. He eschews evil. He's a man that doesn't do evil. If you read chapter one further, this is a man that makes sacrifices continually. Yet he is struggling, and he's suffering. And I'm talking to Christians today, I believe, who feel like giving up the faith, because they are feeling like God, if not being fair to me. if not being fair. After all these years of following you, is this how you treat me? After all the money I gave last year to support the church, is this how you treat me? After waking up to pray, after even participating in the fast, is this my reward? This fast, some will not fast because they are upset and mad at God. And that's the reality. I picked this up in my spirit. I'm mad at God. I'm upset at God. God, you've not been fair to me. But this is where perseverance comes in. May we learn how to persevere this morning that we'll be able to endure pain and unfair circumstances. And perseverance is not something that is of natural inclination, it's a divine gifting. It's a divine endowment. That's why Peter is admonishing us that we have to receive to our faith. You see, you can't add. You can't. There's nothing you can do. You just have to receive. It's a gift from God. And you need it during times of testing. When you read James chapter 1, the Bible lets us know that when we go into testing's The testing produces patience. That word, produce the means to bring out. That's why we need the perseverance. So that when we go through hard times, we bring out what we have already received from God to be able to weather every bad storm and every stormy situation. I pray in the name of Jesus that may God give us Fortitude, which is a fruit of perseverance. When you read the Theus Greek lexicon, the note arise on perseverance that is someone who is unswerved from his deliberate purpose and is loyal to his faith. From a Christian context, you are unswerved. I pray that may we come to a place where we are unswerved. It is very important to know that perseverance will play a very important role, especially in the life of a believer when he is going through tough times. So with this now, I just want to talk about how do we develop perseverance? How do we make sure that It bears forth much fruit so that whenever we are going through tough times, we will be able to rely on the gift of perseverance that we have received as a result as from the inception of the new birth that we will be able to take hold of this virtue which will help us to weather every storm. First one. Colossians chapter 1, verse 11. Colossians chapter 1, verse 11. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Now, I just read to you an excerpt of Paul's prayer to the Colossian church. And this is the prayer he prayed for them. That they will be strengthened with God's might according to God's glorious power. And when they are strengthened with God's might according to God's glorious power, the end result of being strengthened is that they will have patience and they will have the virtue of long suffering with joy. So, prayer. So, sometimes when we can't hold on. When things are slipping, it might be an indication of your prayer life. Let me tell you something. You will never experience the fruit of perseverance when you are going through troubles. You need to be prepared way in advance so that when the troubles come, you bring out perseverance The testing of your faith brings out perseverance that you have been cultivating all this while. And then you are able to face and weather every stormy situation in your life. So perseverance is needed. The second thing that is needed, Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So, the second way by which we cultivate this divine gift of perseverance that we have received is to read the scriptures. Because the Bible lets us know. Three things that happen when we read the scriptures or the Bible. We experience patience. We experience comfort. And we experience hope. If I let me even add a fourth thing. We also learn. So we learn. We experience patience. We experience comfort. And we experience hope. This Bible is not just any book. This Bible is not just any book. This Bible produces in us perseverance. I don't know the scientific way or the processes by which, by reading a book, you will be infused with perseverance. But whatever be the case, when we read the Bible, the Bible lets us know that we experience perseverance. And by the way, the word patience. It's the same word perseverance translated in the Greek. So if you look at the Greek meaning of the word perseverance, in these two verses, they are the same as patience. Amen. So when the Bible is talking about patience in both verses, it's still talking about perseverance. So we need to persevere. We need to persevere by praying. We need to persevere by taking time to read the Bible. I advise you to install the audio Bible. Just after If you don't even feel like reading it, just play it. Play Just let it play. Sometimes I just play the audio Bible. Sometimes when I wake up, I just play the audio Bible. I just put the phone by my side and I just play the audio Bible. And when a scripture just hits me, I just pause it and I start making notes. Sometimes that's how I read the Bible. I just lie on bed and I just play the audio Bible, just like that. Invest in that. It's, it's, you don't even have to buy it. It's free. You version Bible app. It's audio Bible. That you can just play. You can even listen to a whole chapter of the Bible, especially the minor books. Sometimes when I'm driving to work, it's about 30, 35 minutes. In 30, 35 minutes, you can listen to two minor books. That's when you're about the, the minor prophets. Hosea, Joel, you can, you can do two books in less than 35 minutes. And when you do that, you are infusing in you perseverance. It will give you that dogfight to not give up. Amen. And when we talk about perseverance... Perseverance is normally not synonymous with Job. What is synonymous with Job is suffering. And it's true that he suffered because look at the bleak picture of Job. That is real suffering. But one of the things we ha- also have to associate with Job is perseverance. Because when you read James chapter 5, verse 11, the Bible lets us know that Job was persevering. persevering. And the Bible lets us know that we should use his example. And, And the Bible calls Job a prophet. It says, we should count those blessed who endure. And we have heard of the perseverance of Job. So don't just... Equate Job with suffering, equate him with perseverance. For however long his unfortunate circumstance, his uncomfortable space was, let's give it to Job. He persevered. He persevered to the point that his story became a beautiful story. When all was said and done, God glorified himself in Job. God restored him. And therefore, I hereby encourage you that whatever you are going through, no matter how bad it is, it's not going to kill you. The darkest hour, it's last 60 seconds. Daybreak will come. It will not always be night. You will not always be a prisoner of hope. You will taste of freedom be encouraged this morning that God is on the throne. But whilst we might be going through everything that we are going through and we might be moping and groaning in darkness, hey, remember it is important to develop perseverance because with perseverance, we will be able to weather every storm. I came to preach to someone today is that you are in need of perseverance. Begin to pray. And when you pray, the offshoot of prayer is you'll be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. That's why it's important to pray because when we pray, we are always receiving divine strength. Never joke with prayer. Never joke with the Bible. Once you start reading the Bible, no matter what you go through, you will experience perseverance i will help you to weather the storm the bible says in james 5 11, those who endure we count them blessed may someone count you blessed because you endure to the very end because you are persevering like job let's pray father i pray for your people may they have the dog fight in them to fight every unfortunate incident unfortunate scenario, every unpleasant space that they find themselves in, I pray that, Lord, may they persevere. Oh, thank you, Lord. We will not complain, but may we learn from Job, may we be inspired by Job, that better is the end of a thing than the beginning. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's painful. But we are coming out on top victorious Yes, it it, it might feel a stretch, but we are winning. We declare we are winning. We declare we are on top. We declare we are victorious. Oh yes, it's painful. Yes, we might feel like giving up. We might not feel like worshiping you. We might not feel like even saying we are Christians. We might feel like saying that, oh Lord, look at the shame that you have befallen upon me. It might be tough. But Father, as we hear this word, I pray that may perseverance be infused in our spirits in the name of Jesus. May we be steadfast from today. May we be constant, O Lord. May we endure. For your word says that the people who endure, you can them blessed. And you are telling us this morning that may we learn from the elder of faith in Job who persevered. Father, help us to persevere. May may we last longer than the storm. May we be stronger than the tribulation. May we we be tougher than the trouble. May our our foreheads be hard like that of a flint, O Lord, that we will be able to go what we are going through unswervingly, O Lord, still becoming loyal and pious to our faith. Thank you, O Lord, for what you have done. Thank you that this is not the end of the story. Thank you that there is glory at the end of the story. Thank you. Thank you, O Lord, for giving us victory. We thank you, O Lord, that even during this time of prayer, we are strengthened with all might, O Lord, according to your glorious power, until patience, long-suffering, with joy, I pray that may the element of joy waken us, that we will always be able to see the brighter side of the dark side. That we will always be able to see the positive side of the negative side. We bless you, O oh Lord, for today. Thank you for strengthening us, O oh Lord. Father, it doesn't matter if our health is attacked, we will persevere. It doesn't matter if we lose our jobs, we will persevere. It doesn't matter if things don't go our way. We will persevere. We will persevere, oh Lord. Infuse in us, Lord. Perseverance. Thank you that it is of your will. It is a divine thing. It is not natural. May we persevere, oh Lord. May we persevere. Thank you that we will last longer than the trouble. We will last longer than the contradiction. We will not give up until we see the manifestation of the promise. Yes, you have promised, O Lord. You have promised. And yet we are seeing the contradiction of the promise. And everything is saying we should give up. But we will not give up. We will not give up. We will not give up. up. Thank you, O Lord. We will stand still. Yes, we will weep. But we will wipe our tears and stand still. Because we have persevered. Why? Because we have received perseverance as a gift. Thank you, O Lord. We will stand still until we see the manifestation of the promise. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you that this is not the ending of it. We are just in the middle of this of, of it, O Lord. We are just in the middle space. We are not at the end space because the ending is more glorious and far better than where we are. Father, help us to persevere that indeed we shall receive the reward of the righteous. In Jesus' name, Amen.